this, this date night thing. I like that idea. I did want to give one clarification because he said, you couples, you know, husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, sir, if you're married, you cannot bring your girlfriend. All right. I just want to clarify that. That's not what he's talking about. All right? Don't do that. That would throw a wet blanket on the whole evening. And if, you, uh, if you've been married, we've been married 36 years this summer. Uh, if you've been married, then you know that you can't get too much help with your marriage. And, uh, you know, I get around these people years ago. I was doing a sermon on marriage, and, and this older man came up, and he said, we've been married 52 years and never had a disagreement. Now, first of all, I don't believe that. All right, I, I just, I don't believe it. You might not have hit each other. But, uh, but it's hard for two people to live in the same house, sleep in the same bed, and never disagree, you know? And we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't fuss a whole lot. Uh, the, the last time, the last time we did, she, she came to me on her hands and knees and she did, she did. And she said, you get out from under that bed and fight like a man. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know why she was so upset. Somebody said something about her cooking. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, well, she's a magician when it, comes to, when it comes to the kitchen. And they said, really? I said, yeah, every time it's time to cook, she disappears. <laughs> and uh, so... We, we, I am so blessed. I'm so thankful that God brought Renee into my life. And we, we have uh, five grown children and uh, eight grandchildren. We're actually all going to go on vacation later this week, Friday. Nineteen of us. And, and then in July, she and I are going to take a real vacation. Because <laughs> it won't be a vacation, I promise you. But, uh, but uh, there's nothing like family and nothing like marriage. And God, you cannot improve on God's plan. And his plan is always perfect. Always perfect. Uh, I appreciate uh, Pastor letting them. And I appreciate Brother Matt, you bringing your young people to our youth conference about a month and a half ago. And uh, we had a great time. The Lord really met with us and we thank him for it. I'm going to preach a message that I preached at our place last night. Uh, it is Memorial Day. Thank you for the good patriotic song. And uh, I, lo- I love songs about America, don't you? Uh, I still feel like, well, I know, I know we live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And uh, so I don't think so. Well, you can leave anytime you want to. Uh, many of you, I think the last time I was here, probably our son was in Afghanistan. He's, he finished his, uh, his obligation. He's home. Thank you for praying for him. But, uh, man, I'm going to tell you, what we have wasn't cheap. And, and men and women paid a price. And yesterday, of course, we all paused and, and celebrated Memorial Day. But I want to talk to you about, not about remembering fallen soldiers, but I want to talk to you about not forgetting the Lord. And in this passage... He addresses something very specifically. Look, if you would, at 
at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And verse number 12 says, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Yesterday morning I preached, don't forget where you came from. And then last night I preached, don't forget where you're going. Uh, you know what's precious? We have, I've told you this before, but uh, we have a, the Durham Rescue Mission is, is just two miles from our church. And, and uh, the, the women and their children, they have a women's division, and they all come to our church three times a week. And uh, let me tell you, they are, they are a blessing. There's about 50 or 60 of them. And uh, these ladies come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, a lot of them are African-American, and they come from, from black churches, and, and their culture's a little bit different, you know. Uh, I know Easter Sunday, the choir was singing, and a lady over here, she was having a good time, and she, she stood up and was holding her hands up, and we had a security guard over here, um, and I, I texted him, I said, you leave her alone. I don't need less life in my church, I need more life in my church. And I said, don't you, don't you mess with that lady, there's a precious older black lady that sits on the second row every single service, and she will preach you to death. I mean, she's one of them that talks back to you. That's right, preacher. That's right. You help us. Help us, preacher. And uh, I'm gonna, when she finishes the program at the mission, I'm going to put her on staff and just pay her to come to church. Uh, but like yesterday morning, I was talking about don't forget where you came from. And those precious women were having a good time. And some of our people who've been saved a long time were sitting there thinking, when are we going to get out so we can get to the restaurant? That's part of our problem. Is we forgot where we came from. But in this passage that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to skip down to verse number 18. The Bible said, And thou shalt do that which is right and good, in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto, unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. Before our eyes. I like verse 23. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. He brought us out that he might bring us in. To give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. We'll read some other scripture here in just a little bit. I... I when last night, yesterday morning, I, I preached and I told him, I said, now tonight, this morning we talked about don't forget where you came from. Tonight, we're going to preach on don't forget where you're going. And I know they all thought we were going to hear a sermon on heaven. But that's where we're ultimately going. But before we go to heaven, God still wants to take us someplace. God was taking these people, we'll see it in a moment, He was taking them to a specific place. He was taking them to Canaan, to the promised land. And, and that's where God is wanting to take. I would assume, and I, I, I would not uh, presume, but I would assume that most everyone in here knows that they're saved and on their way to heaven. But can I tell you, God didn't save you just so you could miss hell. 
God had something He wanted. He had somewhere He wanted to take you. I want you to pray with me. We're going to jump into this and uh, try not to keep it too long. Father, I pray You'd help us. And Holy Spirit of God, speak to our heart, speak to my heart. Lord, help us to realize that You have great things in store for us. You want to use us. and You want to use this church. You want to use this church family. God, you don't, you don't intend for us here in, in, uh, at Solid Rock nor back in Durham. You don't intend for us just to get by. You want, us to, you want us to live on the victory side. You want us to live the victorious Christian life. And I pray you'd help us to see that tonight. And, and, and give us your power. Please help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice, first of all, with me tonight, a land that was promised. Verse 18, we read it there. It said, And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land. Uh, this thing called the victorious Christian life. You see... Uh, we, we, we've been to funerals when, and they'll sing the song, uh, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. And we all think about heaven. But you know, that's not what crossing Jordan was all about. Amen. When the children of Israel crossed Jordan, they didn't go to heaven. They went to Canaan. And what is Canaan? Canaan is in the scripture, it is a picture of the victorious Christian life. It is, it is a picture of a plentiful, a blessed life. It was, it was milk and honey. It was grapes of Eskel. It was, it was all the good things that God could ever do for a people. God said, that's where I want to take you. The promise was made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And, and he promised him that land. And in much the same way tonight, God has promised us that we can live the victorious Christian life. Don't try to keep up with me here, but let me give you a few verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible said, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to, stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Romans 8, 31 and 32, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I don't know about you, but that does not to me sound like God intended for his people just to squeak by. And yet, too many times our mindset is, well, you know, Pastor, I have this besetting sin and I can't get, get seem to get past this and I'm in the stronghold of my addiction and this is just an area where I'm weak and, and that's just how I am and, you know, the world is so corrupt. But my Bible said He wants you to overcome the world. Amen. That's where God wants you to get. And I, I love church, and I'm all for church, and I need church. But, but, but man, we all not have to drag ourselves in and crawl down the aisle because we're so beat up by the world. Because, man, you know, it's just rough out there. God said, I'm taking you somewhere, child of God. I'm taking you to a promised land. God wants us to be victorious. God doesn't want our marriages to fall to divorce. 
God doesn't want us nor expect us to succumb to temptation. God doesn't expect teenagers to live just like unsaved teenagers. He expects teenagers to live a victorious Christian life. And so we see a land that is promised. And oh, that's where we all want to be. Well, let me tell you, there's some things you got to do. Number two, there is a love that is prioritized. You say, oh, that's what I want, Pastor. I want to be a victorious Christian. All right, he tells them here what they need to do. Look, if you would, at verse 14. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. Oh, Pastor, I, 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 I just would love to get to where I have victory over my temptation. I, I'm, just, I'm tired of always falling. I know the Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but I'm just tired of always getting defeated. I'm tired of being Satan's bait. I, I'd like to be victorious. All right, here's what he said. He said, you put me first. Don't don't you go after the other gods. I'm not an English major by any stretch of the imagination, but that's that's a little G in your King James Bible, right? It's 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 little G. They call that, if I'm not mistaken, they call that a common noun. You know what he's saying? There's all kind. They're common. There's all kinds of those. I'm afraid sometimes as believers who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we act as if we are, we are, we are polytheistic, that, that it's okay to have many, 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 many gods. You talk to some of these missionaries from some of these countries, and they say you have to be very careful in introducing people to Jesus. Because they, in their homes, Brother Ronnie, they have like 25 idols on the mantle, and they don't mind at all adding Jesus to that bunch of gods. They, they have no problem with that. But that's not how you get saved. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And for one of those people to get saved, what they got to do is they got to rake all those other gods off the mantle and they got to put Jesus first. And so do I. You say, well... Brother Finley, I don't have any, I don't have any Buddhas on my mantle at home. I, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. No, 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 no. Understand this: that a little G God is anything that comes between you and your big G God. Anything. There is no question that the country in which we live, that money has become a god. You, you let good people, I'm talking about good people now, I'm talking about good Christians, you let, the, you let the boss throw around words like time and a half or double time, and all of a sudden they just fit their big G God in wherever they can. I know there are people who have to work on Sunday. I, I, my intent is not to beat you up. And to be really honest with you, if I have to go to the emergency room, I'd like to have a Christian nurse in the emergency room. But, but you hear me tonight. 
that's not our problem is we have allowed money to become the dictator in our lives and we do what money says regardless. We're in Raleigh-Durham. People move. It is a, we have people moving into our community all the time. It's a, it's a, it's a flourishing community. But we also have people moving out all the time. You know why? Because some big corporation out at RTP says we're going to transfer you. And, and, and I have known people, Pastor, in my church who have left my church and gone to a town because of more money, not even knowing if there was a Bible preaching church there. That's when you know, that's when you know money has become a little G God. Here, how about this one? Pleasure. Pleasure. We, man, we like some pleasure, don't we? we? It's all about having a good time. And you know something? We have bought in to the devil's lie. We have, the Bible says that in the last days perilous times shall come. What does it say? Men shall be lovers of their own selves. So now, here's what you hear all the time. You, you deserve it. Man, I don't know what it's like in Granite Falls, but I can tell you what it's like in Durham. On every street corner, there's a place they'll do your, they'll massage your feet. Ain't nobody massaging my feet, brother. I'm telling you, uh, they'll massage your feet. You can get a pedicure, you can get a manicure, you can get a tan, you can get, you can get them put black rocks all over your back. You can get all kinds of stuff done, and it's all about you. Your grandma never had any of that. And I'm not even against it. I'm not against that. I don't think that's wrong for a lady to get her nails done. But I do think it's wrong. I do think it's wrong when we're paying whatever it costs to please ourselves and we don't put a penny in the offering plate on Sunday for a missionary. That's wrong. It's all about what pleases us. Okay, let me tell you another one and we're going to move on. Because this point ain't going over too good. <laughs> I, I, I think I just heard somebody say, next thing you know, he's going to be preaching against Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is meddling, isn't it? I, we go to Starbucks way too often. I, I just, I don't know. It's me. I don't get the whole thing. And, and my wife gets these, this drink. I don't think it's alcoholic, <clears throat> but it's, it's a pink drink, and it's, it's got strawberry and almond milk and all this stuff in it, and, I'll, I'll get, and, and I don't get the whole thing. First of all, I just don't get the whole thing of paying six bucks for a cup of coffee. I just don't understand it. it just, uh, but then, you know, they don't, I refuse, I refuse. It's just, I'm just me, all right? It's, lar- it's a large it's large. I want a large coffee. Do you mean venti? No, I mean large. I don't even know what venti means. They don't even call them small and medium and large. They got all these foreign words for it. Don't get me on Starbucks. All right, let me tell you another one. And this is one that is killing us. 
We're talking about those gods, those things that come between us and our Savior. Let me tell you one, and everybody wants to legitimize this, but it is as wrong as living for money. It's as wrong as putting money before Jesus. And we call them our children. Well, that sucked the air right out of the room. I don't know how you were brought up, but I was brought up different. Do you know what I see now? I've had two families leave my church in the last six months because their kids would rather go somewhere else. I don't know what it was like when you were brought up. I didn't get a vote on nothing. I didn't get a vote. My daddy, number one, we didn't eat out. If we, went, if we ate out, that was, that was a big deal. But I don't ever remember my daddy saying, well, Rick, where would you like to eat tonight? <laughs> never. He never asked my opinion about nothing. I never got a vote. When we went somewhere, when he got in the car, I better be in there. I got people in my church now who get out of church and go and sit in the parking lot and wait 30 minutes while their teenagers are inside talking to to another teenager. My daddy would come in and he would grab me by the ear. And he would twist and he would drag me. It would behoove me to keep my feet underneath me because he's not letting go. We, we, we have sold our soul for our kids. And let me help you with something, church. It's not helping them. It's not helping them. I read something the other day. I, I told you, we got eight grandkids, and, and, and I, I, my wife and I stay out of their business. And my, my, my kids do this with their kids, so I'm just... And I said this last night with my kids sitting in the room. But I read something last night. They said, we are living, Matthew, you probably do this, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying this is something you need to think about. You know what? When I was taken somewhere as a child, I learned how to sit there and keep my mouth shut. And they did, I didn't have a tablet sitting in front of me. And I didn't have a cell phone sitting in front of me. But now we live in a society, and, and, and my kids do it. Oh, if we go out to eat and the grandkids start cutting up, where's the phone, where's the phone? Put Thomas the train on, quick. Put, put something on. He, he's he's, he's going to cut loose in just a minute. We've got to put something on. And, and, and you know what's happening? Our kids don't even know how to behave. And Lord, help us if you start talking to people with teenagers about taking away their cell phone. The kids are, the kids are better with you taking it away than their mama. So now, well, Pastor, we won't be there Sunday. Uh, Justin's got AAU ball. He's got travel ball. 
We're going to be in Fayetteville this weekend. Pastor, uh, we're not going to be there this weekend. We're going to be in Greensboro. Uh, my little girl's got AAU volleyball. She's on the travel team. And you know what's really funny? I'm a sports nut. And they think that that's a big deal. But all you got to have to play travel ball is money. And they'll make you think little Oswald's going to play in the NBA. They will. As long as you'll fork over that green stuff and travel all over the state and, and stay in a different motel every Friday night and every Saturday night. And sacrifice, sacrifice your God on the altar of your children. Something is wrong. God said, hey, you want to get over there to the victory side? You love me. What did he say? You love me with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And in the New Testament, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So if we're going to have this, we've got to have a love that's prioritized. He's got to be first. He's got to be first. Then number three, quickly. We've got to have a life that is pliant. You say, what do you mean by that? Pliant. It, it, it yields under the influence of another. It's pliant. It's... It's when, when you guys who have little kids, I used to, I was joking last night about stuff I did. I, I got off on a rabbit trail last night. And, uh, you know, I'm still glad. I'm glad I grew up drinking out of a creek and a water hose and riding in the back of a pickup truck and, and riding a bicycle without one of them ridiculous looking helmets on my head. And, and, and we, we fell over frontwards and we fell over backwards and we had to get stitches. And we, but, but you know what? We live to tell about it. Unbelievable. Man, now parents, if, if, if there's any dust in the church, there's no asbestos in there, is it? I don't want my child to get mesothelioma. It's ridiculous. Man, I was a kid. We, we went out. As soon as we got out of the bed... We went outside in the summertime and played. We didn't come home. We didn't come home till, 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 till supper time. Now, you got to kick a kid out to get him out of the house. I told people last night. I remember as a kid, man, I was crazy. I ate, I ate dog food one time. I ain't kidding. We, we it had a little pan of dog food there, and I don't know how old I was, probably six or seven. I thought, I wonder what that tastes like. It was gravy train. Don't knock it if you ain't ever tried it. Don't knock it. <laughs> Oh, let me get back to the point. You've got to have life that's pliant. I know what made me think of all that. <clears throat> you got, if you've got a kid who plays with Play-Doh, Play-Doh, I, I used to love Play-Doh. Play-Doh, right out of can when it's fresh, stuff smells good. It smells good enough to eat. I ate some of that too. You mix it with a little gravy train? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's good stuff. That's like going out to eat. But hey, 
you let your kid leave the lid up a little bit on that Play-Doh, and it gets hard. It's worthless. You know, what hap- you know what happens to us if we're not careful? We dry out. And we're not pliant anymore. Oh, when you first got saved, you weren't that way. Right? When you, got first, you first got saved, man, you were all about it, and you were all in love with Jesus, and you wanted to do what God wanted you to do, and it was wonderful, and it was sweet, and you would hear preaching, and you would come to the altar, and you would change. But you know what happened? Your Play-Doh dried up. And now instead, you hear something that's convicting. Instead of coming here and getting right, you go there and get critical. You say, how do you know? Church, church is church. It don't matter where you go. I was preaching one night. I don't know why this guy thought he's a young guy. He's, he's a millennial. He's probably in his 20s at the time, married, and got a couple of kids. And, and I was preaching about something. And for whatever reason, in his mind, he was convinced I was preaching about him. He was the furthest thing from my mind. So you know what he did? He got mad. He went straight out the door, got in his car, and went on Facebook and, and attacked me. For what I said in my sermon. I called him. I said, John, what in the world? Well, you got your pulpit. Facebook's my pulpit. That's what he said. You know what happened? You dried up. Look at verse 17. Quickly, verse 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers. So as we continue our spiritual journey from salvation to maturity, it is going to be accomplished one Step of obedience at a time. The Spirit of God reveals something to me through His Spirit, through my personal Bible reading, through the preaching of the man of God. The Spirit of God reveals it to me. I'm pliant. I'm pliable. I'm yielded. I diligently seek the statutes and commandments of God's Word. Diligent, diligently keep, not diligently seek. Diligent, you know what that, that phrase is? It's a military term. Diligently keep. It means to guard. That's what it means. How many of you have ever been to the tomb of the unknown soldier? If you ever go there, if you've never been, you ought to look it up on, you ought to YouTube it or Google it or whatever, and just study it a little bit and watch it. And let me tell you what those cats are doing. They are diligently keeping that tomb. And if you don't think they're serious about it, you just go there and stand to the audience and cut up. They'll be on you like stink on a June bug. I said that last night in my sermon. People don't even know what that is. (laughs) You don't even know what that is. Come on. How many of you have ever got a June bug 
tied a string around one of his legs and flied him around like this. Kids, our, our kids, I, saw, I said, how many of you under 20 have ever done that? We had, we had 335 people there last night. I said, how many of you under 20 years of age have ever put a June bug on a string and flown them around? And one kid raised his hand. And then after you get all that done, and things stink. Stink on a June bug. You go, hey, you go fool around at the tomb of the unknown. Let me tell you, brother, they'll be on. You know why? Because they're serious about it. You know why some of us are never going to get where God wants to take us in our Christian life? We're just not serious about, about His commandments. We're good with them as long as they don't cramp our style. We're good with them as long as they don't upset our apple cart. We're good with them as long as they don't dictate that we change our lives. Let me give you a verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is, for this is the love of God that we keep the same, same idea. That we keep His commandments. We keep His commandments. We, we, we're serious about it. We, we read the Bible, and when we read something that God says, we don't get a bad attitude because it doesn't agree with us. And he goes on and he says this, and his commandments are not grievous. So I read a verse, and God says... Let's just pick one. How about that? Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That's a good one. So I got two ways to look at that. Either, well, I can't live. I can't live on 100%. How am I going to live on, how am I going to live on 90? Another money-grabbing preacher. Or, Bringing all the tithes in the storehouse. Man, that's another way I can tell. I can show God I love Him. You know, when my wife and I were dating in Bible college, when I found out she wanted something, I bent over backwards to do it. You know why? I wanted to win. I cared about her. I wanted to win her over. We'd go to the ice cream parlor there. At college, and, and I don't remember then, maybe it was cookies and cream. And I, I didn't have to ask her but one time what her favorite ice cream was. I ain't nobody's dummy. So the next time we went, I, I, I ordered mine, and then I said, and she'll have two scoops of cookies and cream. Suppose that she had told me the first time, I really like cookies. Suppose I had said, so... You get in Rocky Road. I wouldn't be married tonight. But we do God that way. I ain't giving you no 10%, but I'll give you 10 bucks. That's just one, okay? I could have chosen a lot of things. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as a man or something. Do you know what this is tonight? Your statement here is tonight. It may not be accurate from my perception, but the fact that you're here tonight gives some, it gives some testimony to the fact that you respect the Lord and that you love Him 
and that you want to please Him. But you know what? I don't know what it's like up here, but down yonder in the ghetto, where I'm from, people don't... I'm talking good good people. Oh, they can take or leave church. They just take it or leave it. And the, and the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings, if you say something to them about coming back on Sunday night, they look at you like you spoke a foreign language. And, 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 and I'm glad they come. I, if, if they only come once a year, I'm glad they come. But they walk in on Sunday morning like they did God this great big favor. And you know what he said? You know what he said? I said, when the church meets, don't you forsake it. And yet we wonder why we can't get victory over temptation. And we wonder why we just endure our Christianity. And we wonder what happened to the joy of our salvation. Quickly, number four, and I'm done. When you do this, let me tell you what will happen. You will leave a legacy that is permanent. I want you to, we're going to read a few verses and we're going to close. Look at verse 18. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. Look at verse 20. Mom and dad, look at verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Let me tell you, one day your kids are going to want to know. When they're in a car seat, they don't ask a lot of questions, but one day they're going to be big enough and they want to know, what, what, is this, what does this mean, this book? The commandments. And so what, is that, what does that mean? And you hear me tonight, church, and you say, man, you, you've been pretty strong. I've been here a long time. I've come here many times. But I, I preached this last night at my church just like this. We think we can bring them here and they can sing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we think we're good parents. No, more than they need this, they need you to let your light shine. Well, I brought them to Sunday school and they sang the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. But you know what they need more than that, Brother Ronnie? They need to know that's the book for you. 
And it's not just something you dig out of the back seat of the car on Sunday morning, but it's what you have chosen to make your blueprint for life and how you live and how you, how you treat your spouse and how you raise your kids and how you operate your finances. It's God's book. And when you do that, you know what you do? You leave a legacy 